We are reading Esther chapters 5 through 8 and Proverbs chapter 30 verses 18 through 33 here on Commuter Bible OT. Haman, the royal official who hates Mordecai for being disrespectful and insubordinate, has tricked King Ahasuerus into giving him even more power and authority. With the king's signet ring in hand, he devised a scheme to wipe out the Jewish people, whom he hates because of his hatred for Mordecai. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. And that proverb will be on full display here in today's episode as we observe the life and death of Haman. As Esther approaches the king, we'll see God's orchestration of divine justice even in Persia, while Esther and her people are blessed by a sovereign God. Esther, chapters 5 through 8. On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom, facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. "'What is it, Queen Esther?' the king asked her. "'Whatever you want,' even to half the kingdom will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. The king said, Hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, Whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be done. Esther answered, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition, and perform my request. May the king and Haman come to the banquet I will prepare for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king has asked. That day Haman felt full of joy and in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear at his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet, Haman controlled himself and went home. He sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh to join him. Then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over the other officials and the royal staff. What's more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she had prepared. I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. Still, none of this satisfies me, 
since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, Have them build a gallows, seventy-five feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. Then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. That night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. The king asked, Who is in the court? Now, Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered him, Haman is there, standing in the court. Have him enter the king ordered. Haman entered, and the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, Who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, For the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal crown on its head. Put the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor, parade him on the horse through the city square, and call out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, Hurry, and do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, calling out before him. This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful and with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him, because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared.
The king and Haman came to feast with Esther the queen. Once again, on the second day, while drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Queen Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you seek, even to half the kingdom, will be done. Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if the king is pleased, spare my life. This is my request. And spare my people. This is my desire. For my people and I have been sold to destruction, death, and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening the king. King Ahasuerus spoke up and asked Queen Esther, Who is this? And where is the one who would devise such a scheme? Esther answered, The adversary and enemy is this evil Haman. Haman stood terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in anger and went from where they were drinking wine to the palace garden. Haman remained to beg Queen Esther for his life because he realized the king was planning something terrible for him. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Would he actually violate the queen while I am in the house? As soon as the statement left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, There's a gallows, seventy-five feet tall, at Haman's house that he made for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. The king said, Hang him on it. They hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's anger subsided. That same day, King Ahasuerus awarded Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. Mordecai entered the king's presence because Esther had revealed her relationship to Mordecai. The king removed his signet ring he had recovered from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther put him in charge of Haman's estate. Then Esther addressed the king again. She fell at his feet, 
wept, and begged him to revoke the evil of Haman the Agagite and his plot he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter toward Esther, so she got up and stood before the king. She said, If it pleases the king, and I have found favor with him, if the matter seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let a royal edict be written. Let it revoke the documents the scheming Haman son of Hamadatha the Agagite wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how could I bear to see the disaster that would come on my people? How could I bear to see the destruction of my relatives? King Ahasuerus said to Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Look, I have given Haman's estate to Esther, and he was hanged on the gallows because he attacked the Jews. Write in the king's name whatever pleases you concerning the Jews, and seal it with the royal signet ring. A document written in the king's name and sealed with the royal signet ring cannot be revoked. On the twenty-third day of the third month, that is, the month Sivan, the royal scribes were summoned. Everything was written exactly as Mordecai commanded for the Jews, to the satraps, the governors, and the officials of the 127 provinces from India to Kush. The edict was written for each province in its own script, for each ethnic group in its own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in King Ahasuerus' name and sealed the edicts with the royal signet ring. He sent the documents by mounted couriers who rode fast horses bred in the royal stables. The king's edict gave the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate every ethnic and provincial army hostile to them, including women and children, and to take their possessions as spoils of war. This would take place on a single day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month Adar. A copy of the text, issued as law throughout every province, was distributed to all the peoples, so the Jews could be ready to avenge themselves against their enemies on that day. The couriers rode out in haste on their royal horses at the king's urgent command. The law was also issued in the fortress of Susa. Mordecai went from the king's presence clothed in royal blue and white, with a great gold crown and a purple robe of fine linen. The city of Susa shouted and rejoiced, and the Jews celebrated with gladness, joy, and honor. In every province and every city where the king's command and edict reached, gladness and joy took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and a holiday, and many of the ethnic groups of the land professed themselves to be Jews because fear of the Jews had overcome them. Proverbs 30, verses 18 through 33. Three things 
are too wondrous for me. Four, I can't understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a snake on a rock. The way of a ship at sea. And the way of a man with a young woman. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. The earth trembles under three things. It cannot bear up under four. A servant when he becomes king. A fool when he is stuffed with food. An unloved woman when she marries. And a servant girl when she ousts her queen. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are not a strong people, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are not a mighty people, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Locusts have no king, yet all of them march in ranks. A lizard can be caught in your hands, yet it lives in king's palaces. Three things are stately in their stride, four are stately in their walk. A lion, which is mightiest among beasts, and doesn't retreat before anything. A strutting rooster, a goat, and a king at the head of his army. If you have been foolish by exalting yourself, or if you've been scheming, put your hand over your mouth. For the churning of milk produces butter and twisting a nose draws blood, and stirring up anger produces strife. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him, and He will make your paths straight. Oh,